And here it is, the beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. And you're going to see this refrain. You might want to underline it here in verse 19. How the mighty have fallen. And notice it says, the beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. Who's he really talking about? He's talking about Saul and Jonathan. They were the beautiful ones. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Up till now, this is a powerful testimony of how David kept his heart free from bitterness, even when he was greatly wronged and sinned against. David fulfilled 1 Corinthians 13 verse 5, which says, Love thinks no evil. David knew the principle of 1 Peter 4 verse 8, which says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. David could do this because of his great trust in God and God's power. He knew that God was in charge of his life, and that even if Saul meant it for evil, God could use it for good. These are things that we should hold on to as followers of Jesus Christ. Now here's Pastor Rob. And so the very heart of Jesus is the very heart of David. He looked around at Israel and thought to himself, you know what, this is not a day for rejoicing, guys. Our country just lost their first king. And all the people of Israel are like sheep without a shepherd. And David as a shepherd, it's like it just kicked into him. And you know, I think about us, you know, in the country we live in. You know, we live in a country, there's a lot of people out there, they're like sheep without a shepherd, right? The world doesn't care for them. The world will abuse them and use them up and spit them out. The enemy will use them, abuse them. But Jesus wants to touch their lives and make them whole and heal them and bless them. And see, that's what we ought to be. We are shepherds in a sense. Ask God to give you that shepherd's heart to be going after people and to see them in their distress and and be moved with compassion for those around you. Amen? Because that's, that's, that's a good thing. That's the kind of heart we need. It's the kind of heart that I want. I want my heart to continually be going in that direction. So verse 13, it says, Then David said to the young man who told him, Where are you from? And he said, I'm the son of an alien, a Malachite. Now, the man was probably hoping for some kind of special privilege from David by saying that he was an alien the son of, you know, I'm the son of an alien, an Amalekite. He was probably hoping for some special privileges. Because in Leviticus chapter 19, what does it say? Verse 33, it says, And if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. 
The stranger who dwells among you shall be to you as one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And, um, but the, there's a problem, though, too. That God had pronounced judgment against the Amalekites. And Saul was supposed to have rid the land of the Amalekites. And so now, think of how thin ice this Amalekite is standing before David, (laughs) having told him that he just killed the Lord's anointed. And yet the guy, because he didn't know David's heart, he's thinking, he's going to make me second in command, he's going to give me something, I'm going to be a rich man now because I, you know. And he didn't understand David's heart, and he certainly didn't understand the scriptures. Because in Deuteronomy 25, remember, God said to Moses, he says, remember, verse 17, remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as an inheritance, that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, you shall not forget. So this man is an Amalekite. And he's thinking that he's going to receive kind of some kind of special treatment because, he, because he's an alien, but God had already pronounced judgment upon them. So he's in double jeopardy here as he stands before David. So David said to him, How was it you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? So, because the standard that David held to, he also held for those who would, be, who would put their hand against the Lord's anointed. David would not have any part of it. Verse 15, it says, Then David called to one of the young men and said, Go near and execute him. And he struck him so that he died. And so David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your own mouth has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. And so we, we come to the end of this, this section here, and what really happens here from verses 17 through the end of the chapter is a lament or a elegy that David wrote. Remember, David was a skilled musician. He wrote, he was the, he wrote many of the psalms, more than the majority of the psalms he penned. And so now he writes this lament, and let's read it. It says, Then David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. The song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. I wish we had the book of Jasher. Um, it hasn't been found. I don't know where it is. It's probably in the Dead Sea somewhere, covered over by a bunch of rocks. <laughs> Maybe somewhere in Qumran. They just haven't found it amongst the rubble and all the, you know, who knows where it is. But this song of the bow was written in the book of Jasher. And here it is. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. And you're going to see this refrain. You might want to underline it here in verse 19. How the mighty have fallen. And notice it says, the beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. Who is he really talking about? He's talking about Saul and Jonathan. They were the beautiful ones. And it says, tell it not in Gath, 
Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Let the daughters of the Philistines, or lest the daughters, excuse me, of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Remember, these are Philistine cities, the, the, the city of Gath, the city of Ashkelon. They were prominent cities in the Philistine pentapolis, those five different Philistine cities. And as you know, it would be very common for when someone would die that the women would come out and they would um, dance and sing depending on, on the occasion. Sometimes they'd be professional mourners. They would actually mourn. And if it was a joyous thing, they would rejoice. And if you look back, the previous uh, book in chapter 31, verses 8 through 10, what does it say? You know, here, here David is saying... You know, don't tell it in Gath what happened here. Don't tell anybody in the streets of Ashkelon lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Well, they had already started to rejoice because it tells us in 1 Samuel 31, verse 8, it says, So it happened the next day, and this is after the battle where, where Goliath, or not Goliath, excuse me, Saul and his sons had died. When the Philistines came to strip the, strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Geboa. Notice, they cut off his head, and they stripped off his armor, and they sent word throughout the land of the Philistines. To do what? To proclaim it in the temples of their gods and among the people. And so David's song here is they, they did exactly what he was hoping they wouldn't do. But he knew that they would, would, they would rejoice. And then they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths, and they fastened his body to the wall at Bethshan, along with his sons. But notice verse 21 in our text tonight. It says, going on with this lament, he says, O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew nor rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. What they would do in those days is they would have leather shields, and in order to keep that shield in proper working order, they would anoint it with oil to make the leather nice and supple and able to absorb arrows and things of that nature. And so it's, it's basically just saying, you know, he's, 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 Saul is cast down on Mount Gilboa, and, and David pronounces a curse upon the mountain for what has happened there. From the blood, verse 22, of the slain, from the fat of the mighty... The bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. In other words, these men died in battle. You know, Saul was very um, adept with the sword, and Jonathan was very adept with the bow. And they took down a lot of enemies before they were vanquished themselves. That's really what is meant there. It says, for the shield of the mighty... I'm sorry, uh, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. In other words, he, he was in battle, and he... he he filled his arrows with blood. And the same thing with Saul. The sword of Saul did not return empty. Verse 23, it says, Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles, and they were stronger than lions. I find that interesting, don't you? That, And it's a really admirable trait, really, of Jonathan, who really had a heart like David, that even though his father was mad and wanted to see David dead and, and Jonathan was best friends with David, you know, that even at the very end, you know, here are these men fighting together, you know. It's a very touching heart of Jonathan. Even though he knew his dad was wrong and he did many wrong things and he knew ultimately that David would be king. 
that he stuck by his dad. He was faith. What a faithful man. I mean, that, that, that's really hard to do when you know somebody is wrong and, they're, and, and they're, they're totally off the mark. And yet you stay with them to the very end. And Jonathan was one of those men. I believe Jonathan is in glory. He was a faithful man. Even though his dad was a madman. And he goes on in verse 24, O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. No doubt all the spoils of war that Saul had acquired through the, the, the battles with the Philistines and others, as they would gather that booty from those, um, from those wars, he would clothe his wives and the women close to him. He would clothe them in the very best of things. And said, so he says, O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with luxury. And again, here's the, uh, the refrain again, underline this. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. Verse 26, he, and from here to the end, it's very specific to Jonathan. And David, as his heart is breaking over Jonathan... He says, I am distressed for you, my brother. Jonathan, you have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. That, that, that wonderful attraction of a, a man and a woman. And, and it wasn't meaning that Jonathan and David had something inordinate happening here. It was nothing like that. Nothing perverse. It was just two men who really respected each other. They loved each other dearly. They would have taken a bullet for each other, or for a sword for that matter. You know, they would have taken, they would have gone to the battle with each other and saved each other's life if they had to. You know, that's how close they were. In the Song of Solomon, it says this in chapter 8, verse 6. It says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. And, And here's the verse. For love is as strong as death, and jealousy as cruel as the grave. Love is as strong as death. It's a very powerful emotion, and that's the kind of love that David and Jonathan had for each other. It's such great respect, these two men. They had, they, were, they had the same heart. Do you have anybody like that in your life? Have you had anybody like that in your life? Hopefully your spouse. <laughs> if you're married tonight, you look at your spouse and say, you know, you, know you, were, you were like that for me. You still are. That's the way it should be. But have you had guys, have you had a, a male friend or ladies, have you had a, a lady friend or a girlfriend who was like that? you just inseparable. Maybe when you were younger in your teens, you had somebody you palled around with and you just you had all the same interests, the same heart. You were like this. That was the kind of thing. And then finally it ends and it says, How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. Again, that's the third time this has happened. This phrase, how the mighty have fallen, we saw it in verse 25, and we also saw it in verse 19. And this last phrase, the weapons of war have perished. This is really um, a metaphor for Saul and Jonathan. They were the weapons of war, and now they had perished. And you know what I love about this lament? Is the things that David didn't say. He could have written down all the things that Saul had done. 
He could have written down all the things that Saul had done, including his, his own uh, coming after David himself and, and what he put him through. He could have written all those things down in order and, and captured the whole thing in a song. But does that, re- does that sound like another chapter to you in the Bible? Hebrews chapter 11. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11. You read that and you see some of the men and the women that are listed there. The warriors and the great things, the great deeds of faith that they did. And you look at, and, and the Bible is very clear and open with us about the things that they did, the things that they did wrong, the things that they did right. But in Hebrews chapter 11, it doesn't mention their faults. It doesn't bring their sin into the equation. And here we see in this lament, David doesn't do the same. He does, he does the same thing. He doesn't bring their Saul's sin into account. He's like, I'm only going to extol the great things. He chose to do that. And in Christ, this is how the Lord sees us. He doesn't see us as these corrupt sinners. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we'll end with a couple of things here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, Paul says to the Corinthians, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He says, Do not be deceived, neither fornicators... Notice, fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And notice what he says in verse 11. And such were some of you. Such were some of you, and and I'm included in that number, unfortunately. (laughs) But shamefully, I'll admit it. But you were washed, notice. But you were cleansed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I love that. David didn't mention any of those faults. And Jesus looks upon us that same way. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, he no longer sees us. He no longer sees us as these sinners that are on their way to hell. He sees us as children that he has purchased with his own blood. He sees us completely different because we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What, what would have been your response? What would have been the song you would have wrote if you were David? Would you have conspired and tried to see to it that Saul was killed so that you could become king? Finally, in Matthew, almost finally, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus speaking, what did he say? He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To love your enemies. That's something that's very hard for us as believers. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? For don't even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what, more, uh, what do you do more than any others? 
Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect or mature, just as your Father in heaven is perfect or mature. Full grown in the faith. And that's hard to do, isn't it? And that's a real challenge for us today. Because we live in a world of hate. The Bible says that in the last days that the love of many will grow cold because the iniquity would, would abound so much. And we see it happening before our eyes. Iniquity is abounding. And, and, and the word that it uses there, the love of many growing cold, that's agape love. That's agape. That self-sacrificing love. Because iniquity shall abound, these things are going to um, suffer. Finally, we'll end with this. As we look at Saul, his reign coming to an end, and David's coming to fruition. In Psalm 75, this is a good one to write down in the margin. Verse 6 says this, For exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. And we see that very same thing happening in the life of Saul. He was, as, as Saul's reign was slowly declining, David's reign was slowly taking off. And it was just this convergent of, of ministries. Or one's going down and one's going up. <laughs> And I love that. I love that about David. Let's seek to be like that. You know, what do you think about your enemies? David wept over them. And again, it's a hard thing to a hard thing to do. And if you're like me, I, I need a new heart. I need a new heart in that regard. It's very easy to get angry today with things around us. But God calls us to a higher, a higher level, doesn't he? He raises the bar really high. So let's stand and let's ask him to do that. Father, as we consider, Lord, this passage this evening... And Lord, for all intents and purposes, as we look at David's situation, Lord, it would be very easy for us to do the exact opposite, God. But we need a heart like that, Father, a heart that is after yours. Lord, to have the heart of a shepherd. Lord, to have a heart that is other-centered. And Lord, how I pray that you would work that into me. And I pray that you'd work that also into my brothers and sisters too, Father. For we are all in need of constant change. Lord, we cannot leave this building tonight the same as when we came in, Lord. May it not be so. May we leave here different than when we came in. And, and may we really take these things to heart, God. And not just think of it as a, a nice story. But Lord, there's practical things in here for us tonight. And Lord, help us to put those things deep in our heart, that they would work themselves out in the very natural, very tangible, very practical things in our life. And so, Lord, have your way with us.
Continue to cleanse us and heal us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that concludes our program for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.